Hello, hello, and welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that translates Donald Trump as if he needed translation. We take a look at the current administration, and we address the existential threats to America. Joining me today is Byron York, columnist at the Washington Examiner and Fox News contributor. We uh, do unconventional stuff here, as you know. We have people on whom, you know, you're not going to see other places, Brian Kennedy and Joel Farkas and, you know, Charles Murray. Right. Today we're going to be very conventional because we need to just catch up and find out where things are. <laughs> right. New Hampshire, the elections, everything else. Yeah, and we haven't had Byron on in so <clears> and, long. And Byron is so good. He yeah. is so good. And so we'll do that. We'll have a long discussion with him. Uh, I want to raise a couple of things first. First thing I want to say today is I watched only a few minutes of the Academy Awards. Oh, did it was a few more minutes than I did. I mean, they're just ridiculous. Yeah, These people yeah. are just ridiculous. Right. Uh, I talked to our friend Seth Leaps, and he watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he said that Renee Zellweger, the actress, did a very good talk. Okay. Uh, I heard an excerpt of, what's his name, Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker. Right. Uh huh. And it sounded totally insane. <laughs> I have not seen the movie. Have you? No, I haven't. It's on my list. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I talked to Seth. Seth said, do not see it. It's just horrid. Huh. Horrible, bloody, gory, ugly. Really dark, from what I hear. And yeah. he said, you know, don't don't take anything from Hollywood anymore about people being deranged and psychotic and ugly when they're awarding a movie like that. Mm-hmm. He also told me that he, he did a great uh, little rant, I'll call his rant, too, 10-minute thing on, on movies and on how things are supposed to make you better and not worse. Mm-hmm. People argue that a really bad movie, and I haven't seen it, but I'll take Seth's word for it, doesn't bring you down. How can you argue that a great movie or a great book or a great piece of music doesn't lift you up? Mm-hmm. If those things lift you thought. up, yeah. then then it should be obvious that some bad stuff lowers you down. Martin Luther King said, what raises us up is just. Mm-hmm. What lowers us down is injustice. Uh, in the So he did his rant on his radio show, which we recommend to people. The Seth Leibson Show. The Seth Leibson Show. Uh, and uh, I guess he got a note from somebody who said that their minister... A Christian minister okay. came to church and said he not only saw the movie, he went back and saw it again. He enjoyed it so much. Hmm. And that kind of bothered Seth. Okay. Have you seen the movie, folks? Listeners to the Bill Bennett Show. Uh, I don't recommend it, but if you happen to have seen it, I'd, I'd like to know. Um, I'd like to know what you think. By the way, people can catch Seth on the Seth Leapson Show at uh, 960 The Patriot. Go to that website. You can listen to his show live or you can podcast it. Even if you don't live in Phoenix. Correct, even if you don't live in Phoenix. Because the, the technology it. is... Right. You still have to match up the time zones, but you can listen to the podcast whenever you want. It's just amazing to me. <laughs> it's it's a computer. And, it's uh, a marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to just say something about Donald Trump. I'm talking to a lot of people. You know, I'm a supporter of Trump. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to a lot of people who are supporters of Trump saying, uh, this thing is going to be a cakewalk. I don't know. I'm not so sure. I don't know. I mean, I just, first of all, it's conventional wisdom, but it's true. Given what he has done, the economy and other things. You would assume so, yeah. He would, he should be at 60% approval. He's at 49. And his enemies are so sworn. They are so sworn to his demise. And they hate him so much. And all this stuff coming out of New Hampshire and Iowa and everywhere else. Number one goal of Democrats is just to defeat Trump. Right. Not, not to put health care into place or... Anything else, just to beat him. 
and of course they're allies in the media. So it's a you know, and suburban women, you know, they don't like the way he acts. Nevertheless, there's some amazing stuff, such as I saw this and I had to write it down to tell the audience in case you missed it, folks. Um, Solid majority of Americans say they are better off than they were three years ago. Mm -hmm. Remember the Reagan test? Yep. Are you better off than you were four years ago? This is a factor that could help boost President Trump's re-election. This is a Gallup poll. 61% say they are better off. It is the highest percentage recorded during the re-election year of any incumbent president since Gallup first asked. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And what something like 65% think the economy is gangbusters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that we're pretty strong in our defense. But there's just, you know, people just don't like the Trump style. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to change that. Um, that's just going to happen. You know, the, the tweets and the personal stuff and the ad hominems. But, you know, I don't excuse all of it. I don't think it's all great. But... Um, I, there's never been anybody who's been more under siege than this guy. Not to my knowledge. Constant, almost to the demise. I mean, you know, imagine the momentum with the, when it came to the Ukraine call, if there weren't so much uproar about, you know, the earlier stuff with Stormy Daniels and all the other kind of stuff. Stormy Daniels. I mean, exactly. Gosh, it almost sounds like ancient history. And payoffs and things like that. And then you get to something that possibly could ripple the water. Uh, but we're three years in to, you know, oh, well, look at the tweet about, you know, what he said about this journalist, which doesn't matter at all. Almost to their demise, they attack, 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 to where every attack seems small even ones that could be perceived to be big. Yeah. Well, it's a crying wolf thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, yep. you, you, you scream about his offenses so many times, people just get dull to it, dead right. to it, impervious to it. Uh, a couple things now, they're raising a ruckus about Roger Stone. I don't know Roger Stone. It seems to me to be a kind of flimsy character, but I, I don't know. I've heard he is, but... But, uh, you know, the Justice Department can review a sentencing recommendation. Now, apparently, these four prosecutors who prosecuted Roger Stone, who was an, was an ally of uh, President Trump, um, have all resigned from the case, at mm-hmm. least some of I guess, going further. But there's no question Justice Department can review this. Bill Barr can re- review this. But now the Democrats are calling for the impeachment of Bill Barr. Right. Well, I, you know, again, you know, impeach him. Right. Know. Cut off their heads, you know, the Queen of Hearts and Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vinman thing, Colonel Vinman, that, that's a little more complex. But, again, the president didn't fire Vinman. He reassigned him. He's a military officer. He was at the Pentagon. He came over to the White House. He was going back, back to the Pentagon. Pentagon right? And what's the little said and reported in the papers or anywhere else is Vinman had put in for a transfer out of the White House about six weeks ago. Mm. So he's getting what he asked for. Now, there's some talk about some other action against Vindman. I I don't know. I don't know if that would be appropriate. I noticed General Kelly, the former chief of staff to the president, has also turned on the president big time, saying Vindman did exactly the right thing. And, you know, he was told to give it an illegal order. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is in regard to Ukraine. And he did the right thing. He reported it and went public, then ultimately went public on it. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
uh, again, this seems to me to be but yeah, yeah the, the the media. I mean, it's like CNN. I, I turned on CNN top of the air and they say, "Oh, here it is." It's CNN thinks you know every every morning they think that we got them now, but I mean they couldn't do it with the two or two year mm-hmm. Robert Mueller investigation. Right, right. So I mean, it's just incessant. So. Not you only know, do they I mean, think we've got him every morning, you know, we've got him now. If yeah, they look yeah. for how can we get him every morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, there is that expression the audience heard me use before. It's Richard Wilbur, the poet. Even paranoids have enemies. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this president acts like he has, has a lot of enemies. And the reason is he has a lot of enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do not wish him well. Anyway, um those are my thoughts on uh, on the president. Um, I have nothing to say about sports because there are none. <laughs> well, pitchers and catchers, I think, reported for spring training, well, right? What could be less interesting? <laughs> I guess I want to ask you, does golf start soon? Oh, golf has already started. So golf has this wraparound season. It started in uh, November, I want to say, 2019. They have a, it wraps around the calendar year. So they're already in full swing. The Waste Management Open has already happened. The what? Waste Management Open in Phoenix and Scottsdale. It just makes me think you're going to drop your ball into a toilet. <laughs> I wonder if Seth was there. They've got this iconic 16th hole where they allow the fans to scream and yell and cheer. The players really get into it, and they hand out goodies, and they'll boo you if you miss the green. It's already started. All right, very interesting. We could. Ask, I was just pausing because we could ask Byron about this. We Yes, we could. But then we'd get to nothing else. <laughs> He loves golf, and so, yeah. Yeah, we could get to nothing mm-hmm. else. When's the first big tournament? Uh, it's the Masters. I'm not sure the day. I believe it's in April at some point. But, uh, yeah, the Masters. My God, April. I mean, even if I were a golf fan, it's like <laughs> a, a year and a half away. But, the Masters tournament, April 9th through the 12th. Oh, my God, it might as well be, you know, 2046. <laughs> I've tried the XFL. Yeah, did you watch any of them? It's just not working for me. Cardo Jones, starting quarterback for the D.C. Defenders. I know. He was a guy. I mean, he won the national championship at Ohio State. I know. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I just looking at it, I'm saying rejects. (laughs) Sorry. I'll try again. All right? Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get to Byron. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. A reminder for everybody, we've been talking a lot about China with our friend Brian Kennedy and with others, and we'll have other guests coming up talk about China. It is the most significant world presence for the United States to be concerned about, worried about, fearful about, aggressive about, proud of our president taking it on. I just want to say, stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger, China. Go to presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. You'll realize how important this is and how proud we are of the president for taking on China. Stay up to date on this. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. So now let's welcome Byron York, columnist at the Washington Examiner, Fox News contributor. Byron, welcome back to the show. Bill, how are you? Good, good. I watched you from New Hampshire steadily and constantly. Steadily in Compton, and before that, Iowa. And faithfully. I guess I did from Iowa. I'm just trying to forget Iowa. I guess we all are, huh? No, I thought it was quite interesting. I guess so. So what about New Hampshire? What are we down to? Uh, I mean, what's been fascinating in the past several days is after 
uh, New Hampshire, which really did winnow the field, right? So if you believe, as the conventional wisdom seems to believe, that Biden and Warren are out of it, um, it has really narrowed the field to three candidates, which is uh, Sanders, uh, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar. And and that's what primaries and caucuses do. Stop right there, because there's been mm -hmm. second thoughts about Biden. He's going to maybe... He maybe resurrects with the touch of African-Americans in South Carolina. You know, that is that is so interesting because I will tell you the atmosphere on the ground and maybe this is just in the press bubble. But the atmosphere on the ground in uh, Iowa and in New Hampshire was that he is just dead man walking. Uh, I didn't actually go see him in New Hampshire. I saw him in Iowa last appearance there before the uh, caucuses. And, you know, everything they say about him being a very unenergetic uh, performer um, who really seems from the pat out, out of the past. You know, he was talking about Chris Dodd and, and John Kerry uh, when he was there. I think Max Baucus was there. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. um, this, is a, this is a man from the past. And uh, all of that was just uh, really true and kind of double in New Hampshire. And, you know, um, uh, a number of my Fox colleagues went to his final event in New Hampshire, which they said had about 150 or between 100 and 200 people at it, which was really small. Uh, Buttigieg was drawing over a thousand at, at places. Um, Bernie Sanders, who uh, got, I think, about 7,000, but it was a concert with the Strokes. Uh, Bernie, you know, has a number of bands who really like him. So he'll have a, a concert where the crowd could come, listen to the band, smoke some pot, and hear Bernie. I mean, it's so, I mean, would they all have come just for Bernie? I don't know. But uh, he, does, he does get some pretty big crowds. It's clear that and the crowd... So Biden was come. the opposite of that. It, the crowd that comes for Trump comes for Trump because there ain't no other show, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, this was extraordinary. The, the I, I wrote about this in Iowa. That, I mean, Trump had a well-developed plan in Iowa. Uh, you know, he came, the caucuses um, were on a Monday, and he came on Thursday before and had a huge rally in Des Moines that just dwarfed anything, anything. Um, that any Democrat had done. Yeah. Uh, he had a whole A-list of surrogates there to appear at the Republican caucuses. This is the Republican caucuses where he's virtually unopposed. And he stepped up social media presence. He was making, he was treating it as a big campaign. And remember, he was not worried about the opposition. What he's trying to do, you know, Iowa is a state that voted for Obama twice and Trump won it. In 2016, he's trying to make sure he wins it again, and he lost New Hampshire in 2016. He wants to win it this time. So on the night before the primary, he comes and holds a huge rally in Manchester. It's over 11,000 people. And remember, uh, before that, Buttigieg had been bragging about getting 1,800 people to a rally, the biggest one they'd had. And And just imagine if Donald Trump had a, a rock and roll band there. Yeah, or, right. or pot, or, or pot, yeah, or pot. You know which band would it be? I mean, more, that's the problem. Pot. That's the problem. Um, I don't know that there's a band. I mean, a a, a pothead by a band that likes it. I don't know. But anyway, probably is out there. Remember, it's a very big country, but uh, yeah. but Trump yeah. did not need that. And so, in other words, Trump again, and he had a, he had his whole bunch of surrogates in New Hampshire. 
Trump, again, is running uh, a general election campaign. What he's trying to do is he's trying to win these critical states right now while the Democrats can't get their act together. So it's it's really, you know, as it was in 2016, he is running a smart campaign and not getting a whole lot of recognition, which he's probably reasonably happy with at this point. Well, I hear you on Biden, and I just want to tell you I think you're a dog-faced pony soldier. There you go. That was so weird. I mean, what is that? So what? <laughs> weird. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is, is that if it if it had been a line, you know, from from a, a John Wayne movie, even though he he talked about he's talked about John Wayne a lot in things, all of his cultural references are a million years old. I will grant that John Wayne is such an iconic figure that people of all generations should know, you know, who John Wayne is. Nevertheless, his cultural references are quite old. But yeah, also, it was it made no sense. It was this amalgam of of words, and it also it was directed at a, at a young woman who had asked a perfectly reasonable question. It was an yeah. uncomfortable question for Biden. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with her question. Yeah, whatever and she it was, it was, she, it, she, it was she, a hostility in his response. You know, and you know, whatever she was, she's not a dog faced pony soldier. No, it was so. It was just. It was just. Um, yeah. And it just. So, if you were having doubts about this campaign about him. Uh, especially about whether he has the vigor to get through um, one of these campaigns, which which is just enormously stressful. Um, you had to, that had to just increase your doubts. So you don't think can he resurrect in South Carolina, Nevada? Well, <clears throat> my belief is no. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, the South Carolina primary is not until uh, February 29th. So he's got some time, um, but it's always been my sense that voters in South Carolina, minority and otherwise, are well aware of what's going on in the rest of the country. They sure. watch sure. Uh, the results in Iowa. They watch the results in New Hampshire. They watch the performance of these candidates, and they can change their mind. There's no, you know, black voters are not saying, but wait, we have to be a firewall for Joe Biden. No, they're going to make the decision like voters always do on on whatever is most important to them um, on election day, and uh, so there's no reason that uh, to believe that Biden has some sort of firewall. Um, so I have all sorts know, of questions. Is... I have all sorts of questions mm-hmm. here. Let me just insert them because about this whole thing. Nevada is before South Carolina, right? Nevada is on the twenty second. Um, there are a lot of warning signs being. It's a caucus. Right, so what, and we're hearing lots of warning signs about it might be as disorganized as Iowa was. Is that, is that why it's not taken as seriously? It's not as prominent as South Carolina. Probably so. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, a lot of campaign reporters, you know, they spend a ton of time in Iowa, spend a ton of time in uh, uh, New Hampshire, and then a lot of them, although they're not Southerners, they love going to South Carolina, one, because it's not snowing, and two, because I can go to Charleston, yeah, sure. which is, you know, a fantastic city with really good food, and um, it's a it's a happier place to be. Oh, it's a great state. Uh, it's a wonderful place. So, I mean, you know, maybe you can say everybody could go to Las Vegas, I guess, but um, Charleston is Charleston. Um, okay, um, back to New Hampshire. I, I agree with you on Biden. By the way, from the beginning, I'm going to run through, run through these three now. Uh, from the beginning, I have said Sanders is going to get the nomination. I don't know. I don't know if he will or not, but I, I said that early on, and I still, if I had to put, if I were in that casino thing that you, you do, what did you do? You yes. were clever. You put a hundred dollars on well, Sanders I, to win New Hampshire. 
You know, I, I'm not sure I was, you know, uh, observing uh, all the rules of the yeah. casino. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah. I thought, well, the thing is, is that actually, I'll, I'll tell you, we, we didn't have time. We were going to do two casinos, one on the uh, New Hampshire primary and two on the, on the nomination. Yeah, the nomination yeah. And so I thought, well, come on. Let's, I mean, it's just a fact. Bernie is going to win. So I'm not okay. even going to play and pretend like somebody else is going to win. All right. No, now, and you were, and you were we, right. We, if oh. we had gotten to the, if we had gotten to the other casino, which was the other bet, which was the nomination, I was going to be much more cautious, you know, and put like 35 bucks on Bernie and 20 on Buddha. I forget what it was, but I was going to spread the money around because I don't, I don't think you can say um, right now, but you know, on the eve of the, the primary it's pretty clear that Bernie was going to win, although it was closer Right. Than uh, the right. politics average of polls had it. Right. Was it disappointing? You think for him inside at the bottom of their hearts? Do you think that Sanders people were disappointed? Yeah, they probably they probably would have liked a bigger um, a bigger margin. I, I think a lot of them are uh, feel that it's unfair to look at his performance in 2016 in a two candidate race, him against Hillary, yeah, yeah. and then. Now measure it uh, against a, a right. performance in a, like a six or seven candidate race, right? And which, amazingly enough, he doesn't get as many votes as he got the time before when there was just one other candidate. Sure. So I think that was a little bit unfair, but I, I think the I think what we're seeing is absolutely fascinating. Which is the fact is because of Bernie Sanders' reforms, we know who got the most votes in Iowa, and it was Bernie Sanders by a significant amount. I mean, the, the first the first vote he won by six thousand votes. Um, second one by twenty five hundred. So we know he got the most votes in Iowa, and he and he got the most votes in New Hampshire. And I think what we've seen is really quite interesting in in a lot of the conventional press is this desire to not call him the front runner. Well, the right. guy who got he got the most votes in Iowa and the most votes in in New Hampshire, it's got to be at least a front runner. You can say, well, Pete Buttigieg had a tiny, tiny edge over over uh, Sanders. Uh, when you do the complex calculations required to come up with state de- delegate equivalents in Iowa, so he won Iowa, but of course he he did not win by any count. New Hampshire, maybe you can say they're Coley front runners if you want to. But there's just no way you can say Bernie Sanders is not a front runner in this nomination. And yet we have seen a lot of commentary uh, to that effect. I don't know exactly why that is among journalists, because he got the most votes in Iowa and he got the most votes in New Hampshire. Um, okay. Well, I, I, uh, Sanders, I understand. Uh, you know, he's the, he's the, the source of all this left-wing stuff. He's Father Abraham. He has been consistent about his socialism. He's not always consistent in his answers. And he's moved the entire group to the left. Buttigieg, I don't understand. I mean, wh- wh- what, is, what is this about? And why is he being pressed in his record on, in South Bend? Not just racial stuff, but what did he do? I mean, what what the heck did this guy do? It's a great question um, about Buttigieg. First of all, he, he became prominent. He began to rise in the race. Um, he's uh, with a very polished performance. I think it was a CNN town hall. I cannot remember when it was last That's year. That's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah um, right. And he, he was just very good. And 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 he really warranted a second look. He's a very polished performer. Um, I have to say, in person, uh, I don't mean one on one, but watching him from an audience. Um, I find him an extraordinarily synthetic performer. Um, it's 
just really, really synthetic and uh, just not a lot of sort of human spontaneity. He's very careful, uh, but it's been working for him. Um, I, I, I can't fully explain it. Obviously, you have on the, on the Democratic side two candidates, or let's say three candidates, um, Sanders, Biden, and Bloomberg, who are all too old to be president. They will all turn 80 very early in a first term. They're all too old to be president. The Buddha judge is too young to be president. I mean, the, the thing about Klobuchar, you know, she's right there in that sweet spot of presidential age. She's around, around 60. Yeah, it's kind of just right. And, you know, presidents, you know, basically from about 45 to 65, that's where you have them. Okay. Um, and so the Buddha judge thing, I, I listen, I can't fully understand it. All right. Well, he's going to get pressed because I have not heard him pressed yet. I mean, yeah, he's very facile. He's good word prolix. He's he's just he's verbose and he's uh, uses the language well. And he's he's done a very slick thing, which is to have himself to place himself sort of in the centrist lane. And even the Washington Post uh, editorial page, I think they deserve credit for this. Uh, they did a piece saying, "Look, n- nobody in this race is a centrist." I mean, they're all way to the left of where Barack Obama was when he ran in two thousand in two thousand eight. Right. You know, Buttig- Judge wants to pack the Supreme Court. Yeah. I mean, he believes in a right of abortion to the moment of birth. Right. I mean, he there there are many issues. Uh, that he would not be a centrist at all. And, and his idea, you know, health care, you know, Bernie says health care for all. And Buja Judge's centrism is health care for all who want it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's like, the like distinction the, they're the making. Between, yeah, the fight between center and left in the Democratic Party is free college for all versus free two-year college for all. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, that's right. the kind of fights they're having. Did... Did Amy Klobuchar's uh, good showing um, save Sanders? That is, Amy if, Klobuchar. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, this is just a theory that if she had been weaker because of this reputation of being a centrist, more of the votes would have gone to Buttigieg and he might have beaten Sanders in New Hampshire, that she was taking no. Buttigieg votes because people think they're both centrist. I don't think she's a centrist either, frankly. Well, it, look, no, she's not. And possibility, um, I saw her, by the way, at a, at a Rotary Club event in New Hampshire and uh, Nashua, I think. And she, you know, she did really kind of emphasize her centrism. She was at a business group. It was very... She talked about small business programs, about job creation and stuff like that. Um, I think you have to, when you look at how votes were distributed in New Hampshire, I think you have to look at the two candidates who were hemorrhaging support, and that appears to have been Biden and Elizabeth Warren. And so I do think that that people who might have voted for Biden either ended up voting for Pete or Amy. As a matter of fact, this is kind of interesting. At a at a Buddha Judge event in Dover, New Hampshire, um, I talked to a lot of voters, and this is the conversation. Um, she's, they would say, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a centrist. I, I'm really just you know Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. You know, they're wonderful, they're great, but I'm just not you know there. I, I need a more centrist candidate." And I said, "Well, who does that leave you with?" And they would say, "Pete and Amy." Yeah. And I would say, "Anybody else?" And they would say. 
no. And I would say, well, what about Biden? And they said, oh, he's too old. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. So that's where the thinking was. Is she, she's to the left of Obama, back to your earlier reference, right? Klobuchar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, everybody is. If you, nice. I mean, yeah. some of the, if you look at some of uh, Obama's uh, positions from uh, 2008, they just, you know, wouldn't fly in the current woke, progressive okay. Democratic Party. Okay, so now... Um, Biden could be resurrected by the touch of, uh, uh, of, of black voters in South Carolina, maybe. But what, what are the chances of resurrection for Elizabeth Warren? She doesn't get that in South Carolina or Nevada, does she? I don't think so. Um, so I don't know. I mean, look, I don't know where she goes. I think that um, uh, it's been pointed out, you know, obviously she's Bernie and Warren were both neighboring state senators in uh new hampshire and um warren just did not do very well there and uh also if if you look apparently at the part of southern new hampshire that's really uh uh the suburbs of boston that's right where you know she's a senator from massachusetts um she's very poorly there so you know she's gonna have to do well somewhere that's and nobody can quite see where it's going to be. Yeah, everybody, a lot of people are saying, well, it was when she was pressed on, you know, the, the, the Medicare stuff and how much it would cost. And I, I think people just got tired of listening to her. I, I do. I think she just wore. Well, she, you know, she delivered a very uh, graceful speech on um, on election night. I went to her. I went to she, I, uh, my schedule. Resign. I thought uh, it was a resignation. Was kind speech. of limited. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the So I went to her speech and and. She was very, she very kindly came out early (laughs) so I could get back to my television commitment later on. Like 8.20 in the evening, she comes out, no fanfare, no nothing. And she, you know, congratulates or at least acknowledges that uh, Sanders and uh, Buttigieg have had a really good night. And she wants to congratulate uh, Amy for doing well. And then she says, you know, but, you know, since we're all family and friends here, we need to be honest with ourselves. And I'm thinking, whoa, Whoa, I mean, that sounds like somebody who's about to to pull out. And um, and I did see concerned looks on, you know, I was looking around at the crowd. I was standing among the crowd. And then I asked people later and they said, yeah, I thought she was about to throw her support to Amy Klobuchar. And um, but she she didn't. She it was it was her plea for unity, which has been her big thing lately. And she feels that there is one chance for the party to unify, and that is behind Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, (laughs) sure. She's going to continue. Sure. Um, But it was actually a rather graceful uh, speech, I had to say. Yeah, one of her better ones. I I agree. I agree. But I don't see resurrection there in South Carolina. I don't see Buttigieg doing well there. Now, if Bernie were to win in South Carolina, I, I don't know who the hell wins in South Carolina. Uh, it's not obvious to me that anyone does. Uh, but if he were, he's going to be really hard to stop. I take it there's some flack in Nevada because of the unions there, the the culinary unions, and they don't they don't want to go yeah. to Medicare for all. But I don't know if that's a big deal or not. But if Bernie wins South Carolina, is there stopping him? Well, look, you've got a guy who arguably won Iowa and definitely won New Hampshire and definitely won South Carolina. Boy, that's really hard to yeah. stop. But I'd say the the establishment really doesn't want Bernie. And um, I mean, I think basically it's only for one reason, which is they believe he's the 
the, would be the weakest candidate against President Trump, and that with this fantastic opportunity to unseat President Trump, they end up picking the one candidate who can't do it. So they're, I mean, they're, I think it's mostly for strategic reasons that they're. Who do so, they think? Who do they think? You know, I mean, if you, were to, if you were to poll the establishment secretly, who do they think is the best bet against Trump right now? They don't still think Biden. Well, I think they, I think they would have said Biden a while but back. But not now. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure who they're going to say now. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, uh, the the uh, there's an interesting. This is a minor phenomenon, but never Trumpers, uh, Republicans who have either become Democrats or support a Democrat this year. Um, I mean, I kind of feel that they're reasonably happy now because you got really four possibilities. You got Sanders, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, and Bloomberg. And three of them are really okay. So if they could just get rid of Bernie, um, they would have a candidate that they, you know, can live with. So um, I want to get to that. I want to get to how it turns out. All right, I want to get to Bloomberg in a minute. But I want to shift gears and ask you something else because I've been working on this one, um, and that is um, I want to talk about the black vote and Trump. First of all, a general mm. question, not necessarily about black voters, but uh, the Trump crowd. Is it true that there are a lot of independents? Is it true that there are a fair number of Democrats? Do we know? Does anybody know? This is what I've been hearing, is that his crowd is made well, up of. Yeah, there, there are certainly some. Um, and you have to remember that Trump did slightly better among black voters and Hispanic voters. I think he did a point better than among Hispanic voters than Romney did. Yeah, yeah. So Romney did pretty terribly among black and Hispanic yeah, voters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, the idea, the the uh, the sort of Republican goal of getting more minority votes um, has always been kind of a start small, though, which is if you could just improve their currently dismal numbers um, among minority voters, then just a little bit would, would, would uh, make it much more difficult for Democrats to get elected. Is that really going to happen? Um, I don't know. I mean, Trump has a strong economy here, okay, a strong economy. And uh, a large number of people, including minorities, say that they're better off now than they were before. Now, does that outweigh um, traditional Democratic loyalty or the belief that Donald Trump himself is a racist or any other reason to not vote for Trump? Does that outweigh it, you know? Maybe not, but maybe maybe so with some voters. I don't know. Well, it also depends who he's running against, right? I mean, uh, I heard yeah. James Clyburn yeah. say, uh, you know, say what what couldn't be said by a, by a white politician. He said, you know, the people, you know, where I come from, are not going to support Buttigieg. They're just not. They're not disposed yeah. that way. You know, they're, they're, you know, black church going people are not going to support a gay guy. For, for, for president. So, you know, um, yeah, here again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Elections either. are always, I know. elections are always one guy versus the other. When you get to the That's end, right. That's right. it's one, you got to pick one or the other. It really is a binary choice. You know, you can write in Edmund Burke if you want, but it's yeah. really a binary yeah. choice, choice for most people. And, um, and so that, that calculus might change if it's a one-on-one. I know when I was in South Carolina, this is last summer, I was at a Kamala Harris event. Um, and I spoke to a number of black voters, uh, although she got, she got a ton of white voters there too. It was a very mixed crowd. Um, anyway, I talked to them about Buttigieg a little bit and, uh, there was no hostility or anything like that. A number of them kind of snickered, I guess, <laughs> laughed a little bit at him. Um, but uh, I don't know if, if they would really take him seriously, but we'll see. 
Yeah, and it, you know, not so much on the on the on the sexual orientation as much as the the guy, you know, the the record. The, I mean, what what you know? If you're going to pick a mayor, yeah. you know, maybe maybe Bloomberg. That's a real that's a real job, and you know, and he and he did it did it pretty well. But there were these reports early that I guess got debunked somewhat. But there were rel- fairly reliable sources like Rasmussen and all saying thirty percent support in the black community for Trump. I thought that was way too high. And then a number of other reports said, no, no, it's closer to twenty two percent. Well, that's huge if that's true. But cut that in half, and you tell me. But I am told that if you get if Trump gets twelve percent of the black vote, it's over. Yeah. Well, if you look at um, how Trump won in 2016, Hillary Clinton had really one job, which was to try to keep together, keep intact the Obama coalition. Right. The Obama coalition being minority voters, uh, women and young people, basically, in large numbers. And big turnout. Okay, so not, not only just let's say black voters specifically, not only a high, high 90 plus percent vote, but also really big turnout. So if you look at what happened in just three places, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Detroit, and Milwaukee, um, you can see how Hillary lost uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin um, by just a, a lot of minority voters who would have turned out, who did turn out, for Barack Obama just didn't turn out. They, they didn't come vote for Donald Trump. They just didn't turn out. So and that is a, a huge and unknown question uh, for the next Democratic nominee. And that number maybe matters more than people who would vote for Trump. It's just people who wouldn't turn out for a close. Yeah, that certainly. Yeah, it certainly mattered because Trump got the big turnout, say in Pennsylvania and in, in you know Western Pennsylvania. Um, and you know, you know, I got uh, Clinton didn't get didn't get a big enough turnout in the Philadelphia area. Well, who is right now, uh, you know, on the number one enthusiasm list of black voters? If you take Biden out of the picture, I, any of these guys or girls? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, ha- I will say I haven't seen um, polling that's big enough to to really let you know anything. Haven't seen it over time. You know? yeah, um, yeah. So clearly, look, there are a lot of black officials who uh, endorsed Biden. There were a lot of black, there were, there were were not a huge amount of polls in South Carolina, but enough to suggest that his black support there was very big, which may have been, you know, uh, just a, uh, a a factor of the fact that he had loyally served uh, under Barack Obama for eight years. Um, Just as there was a lot of residual loyalty to Bill Clinton that sort of rubbed off on Hillary Clinton. Um, but it, you know, it doesn't, it might not survive, you know, the contact sport of the South Carolina primary. Okay. Let's talk about Bloomberg. Um, because it seems to me, I know him, I know him pretty well, actually, but, um, uh, he's had me speak at conferences on education and he was a pretty, pretty good education mayor and a pretty good mayor in New York, but it's Bloomberg. Yeah. It seems to me every day when I wake up, he's up another point. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's been extraordinary in the past <clears throat> few days since the run-up to New Hampshire has been the, the the sudden elevation of Michael Bloomberg, and I think it's uh, in part because the the um, <clears throat> Democratic race appears to be so unsettled, which it is, but that's not all that unusual. We've just had <clears throat> one caucus and one primary, so um, so people are Bloomberg is kind of this uh, 
the savior off the script, off the stage. You know, he's going to come on and he's going to save everything. And, um, listen, nobody, and I mean, nobody would be talking about this man as a serial president, serious presidential candidate in the absence of his $55 billion. Okay. Nobody. Yesterday, he appeared in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I think he did another event in Tennessee as well. But he goes to Tennessee, which is a, a, a Super Tuesday state. And he's trying to appeal to black voters, uh, although his um, the audience is mostly white. Um, but the man has just not gotten campaigning down at this point. Yes, he was elected mayor of New York City three times. I understand he's been in campaigns. But he has not gotten presidential campaigning down that down at this point, and nobody, nobody would be taking him seriously absent all that money. Uh, well, also, would you say also absent an obvious choice in the Democrat field? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah right. If there were, if we were down to two, if, if we were in a Hillary and Obama race, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, people wouldn't be saying Bloomberg is our choice. Yeah. But since this is since this is a you have a field of problematic candidates. The leader, Bernie Sanders, is problematic for all the reasons we've discussed. Yeah. Judge is problematic for the reasons we've discussed. Klobuchar, I'm not sure anybody thinks that she could really go all the way. I think everybody's looked at her as a possible vice president. Yeah. Um, but she's clearly jumped up in stature in the last three days because she was kind of nowhere in, uh, in Iowa and really jumped. In, uh, in New Hampshire. So maybe they'll start thinking of her more seriously. But you're right. There's, there's, there's nobody people are looking at as a prohibitive favorite. And so in the absence of that, they look somewhere else. And here's Michael Bloomberg. He's opened up all these offices in Tennessee. He was in Tennessee yesterday. So he's, it, which is a Super Tuesday state, he's campaigning across the Super Tuesday states now. And he's pouring unlimited amounts of money. What is it, $350 million yeah, yeah, so far? Yeah. I mean, $350 million on advertising, it's like a laboratory experiment. It means he's buying How it all How much support up. can you build for an, yeah, for an otherwise unappealing candidate just through advertising? So he has gone up. Um, and the, the question with him is, and it's always this question, will his candidates sur- sur- survive contact with voters? And we have seen candidates shoot up to the top of a race, and then their, then their candidacy does not survive contact with voters. So that is the question. I'm not saying Bloomberg's will not, but we won't know until it happens. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have not seen that. I heard, I, I may have heard, no, I think I heard this correctly. He's got 2,000 people on the payroll. He's got 800 people in California. Yeah. And yeah. I heard that some people are like getting six figures and housing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. We've never seen anything like this. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You have to remember, I mean, first of all, most most people, you know, if they think of being rich, they would think of like having a million dollars. Yes. Well, he has $55,000 million. Yes, he does. And it, it's hard to actually spend that. Yes. You know, he gives, it, he gives a lot of it away, but it just grows and grows and grows almost, yeah. you know, almost in spite of itself now. I mean, obviously, he's the guy who built the business, so he's responsible for the whole thing. He's the creator of this business. But um, he can spend anything he wants in political terms and just never run out. And of course. So, right. so if you spend a couple of billion dollars on a campaign, you've doubled what's been spent on an entire campaign in American history. But he could do it. 
Now, when you said contact with others, you mean like the debate, right? You mean mix? Uh, no, with voters. They oh, actually, voters. The, the voters go vote. And uh, it's, it's an incredibly important thing. And voters can choose who they want for whatever reason they want. And so they've talked to pollsters, and we've had polls and polls and polls. But if they look at Joe Biden and say, you know, I don't think he's going to make it. They can vote against him. They, they, they don't vote for him. Or if they say, if they look at Pete Buttigieg and said, yeah, I just don't want a gay man as president. They, they can vote for that reason. They can vote for any reason they want. Yeah. And so Bloomberg is going to have to convince people um, that he really should be president enough for them to vote for him. And um, obviously, contact with voters has been devastating for Joe Biden in the last two contests. Yeah. Has not been good for Elizabeth Warren. As a matter of fact, it's been bad for everybody. It was bad for Andrew Yang. I mean, it's bad for all these people who dropped out. Um, been good for so, Pete. Been good for Pete and Amy. Yeah. And, 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 and so Bernie. why are we taking them seriously? We're taking them seriously because a lot of voters actually okay. uh, chose them. All right. Well, let's and that's what was that's what was crazy about the 2016 campaign in the Republican side when when thousands and thousands and yeah. thousands of voters were choosing Trump. Yes. You had so many in the party establishment saying, "How can we stop this guy? How can we stop yes. this guy?" Yes. Well, the voters the voters have a say in this. Okay, they have a say, but what about? Just this last piece, because I'm sort of tied to the Bernie prediction. I mean, I mean, I don't, I really don't want him to be president, but I, I do, I do think he may be the nominee. But he is yeah. not going to go gently into that good night, right? And his people, no. and and if and I think Trump people should really be careful who they wish for. Uh, Bernie might be a very strong candidate. Uh, he, he's actually older than Biden, but you don't get that impression. With no, him. no, he he's moves really. Moves he's energetic. Much. Yeah, and also, look, he's been obsessed for years. And one of the reasons that young people like Bernie is that he believed this progressive stuff before they were born. Yeah. And he, you can't say about Bernie, oh, he was he was always, you know, pro choice and then he decided to run in the Republican primary and all of a sudden he becomes pro life. Yeah, no, no, it's not right. that kind of moment with no, Bernie no, no, no. in his past. He's been you know, he's been a commie, I guess, all of his life. Yeah. And yeah. so that consistency <laughs> is really he's been that consistency is really, really big for them. And it's an authenticity that comes through to voters. And Trump, you know, really should not dismiss that. If they, if you know, because every now and then the, the, the opposition party says, oh, please nominate this man, you know, and uh, it, on the idea that he would be easy to beat. I'm not totally sure about that with Sanders. I agree with you. I agree with you. By the way, that whole the most celebrated in schools, if they still read them, most celebrated and wrong line in Shakespeare is, you know, to thine own self be true. No, no, no you know, not if you're wrong, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, authenticity is one thing, but authenticity about what? But he is the authentic thing. He's the real deal. There's no question. And I don't, I mean, I've been hearing a lot of Trump people, and I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter, saying this, we're going to just roll. I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure about that. I think. I, I Here's think. the thing is that we always, and this is just a human thing, you always take whatever conditions exist at this moment and extend them out right. forever. Right. And it just doesn't work that way. So no, 
No. Trump did have, there was this, this moment last week where you know, Trump is uh, acquitted uh, in the impeachment, which is odd to think of as a triumph because after all, you've been impeached. But anyway, he's acquitted in the impeachment. Uh, jobs, you know, a lot of really, really good uh, economic news. The, um, the Democratic Party shoots itself in both feet in Iowa. So people say, wow, there's no way they can beat Trump. Trump's going to win. You know, a month from now, that could be extremely, the conditions could be totally different. Um, so you should always avoid, you know, looking at conditions around you right now. People do it with polls as well and, and say, this is going to, you know, this, this, this situation will persist, you know, for the next nine months. Unlikely. Are you going to South Carolina? <laughs> I sure am. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's South Carolina is more important now, don't you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, quite apart from you want to. I mean, I know you're from Alabama. So <laughs> well, South you're... Carolina is a, a beautiful state and I love to be there and yeah. I go there for reasons other than the South Carolina primary. But this time, yeah, time to go. And by the way, I'm, I'm not one of those who spends all the time in Charleston. Right. I hope to be in uh, Columbia and uh, Florence and uh, a bunch of other places, not only in the low country, but all around the state. Yeah. Um, and uh, are you going to Nevada? No, I'm not going to Nevada because um, because I just don't have the time. Okay. How long will you spend in South Carolina? Oh, uh, several days. Uh, it's actually a pretty big state when you go from Greenville down to the coast. Sure it and, is. Sure uh, it is. Now, and obviously, campaigning for Republican primaries is different geographically. The Democratic primaries, it will be more sort of from Columbia east uh, over to the coast. But um, it'll take several days. Yeah. Interesting. No, I, I, agree, I agree with you. You can't extrapolate from now. This thing's going to take a lot of twists and turns. And uh, That's right. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. I've, I've, you've answered all my questions. Um, <laughs> and, uh, all right. Again, we learn from you all the time. Thank you so much, Byron. Great to talk to you, Bill. Thank and the, you. And the Masters is in early April, right? Early April. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, we'll, we'll check in with you on that as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week.